Hey everyone, welcome to God, Growth, and Gaff. We are three guys in our 20s that want to share with you our journey in developing big projects in our areas of small church ministry. Join us as we DIY our vision for the future and how we can help ministry leaders dream big on a small budget together. I'm Nathan. I'm Josh. And I'm Dylan. And we are glad to have you here. Well, what's up, everybody? We want to welcome you back to the first double-digit episode, episode number 10. We are so happy to be here with you guys, and we're happy to continue just sharing with you our hearts for for growing in a small church setting. And I'm here back with the boys, as always. And so I just want to ask, how's life been? What's new? What's been going on? Well, I mean, uh, we just got done with the kids' camp that we put on, kind of VBS type of thing. And it was really fun. I feel like everybody enjoyed themselves, and we did some fun little extra things along with it. So it's uh, it's been a good couple of weeks. Yeah, re- recapping from that, recovering from that. <laughs> Amen. Um, listen, all all we did was video stuff and, and media stuff, and um, I would say our job is is pretty easy, and we still worked like eighty hours that week. Uh, so I can't imagine what it's like for our actual. Uh, kids, pastor, and uh-huh. right. <laughs> and uh, volunteers that actually worked with the children. Um, shout out to any of them or any of you listening who consistently work with children because it's an art and it's a skill and it's definitely a calling okay. <laughs> that I don't have. We want to give a shout out to our children's pastor here, Amy Corzine, because she is a beast when it comes to anything with leading the children or running the summer camp or just really taking care of the volunteers. So if you're listening, thank you so much. You make this place better. Speaking of better, we also are today are going to dive right into our topic for today. What we are talking about is the tension in the churches between reactions and responses. And now you're probably asking yourself, what the heck does that mean? You know, uh, And so what we're going to focus on today is kind of addressing and discussing about the emotional and intellectual kind of dance that happens, not just in the church in general, but also in kind of how we run a normal Sunday service. I think in wherever you go in any church, there's always this uh, kind of balance between making an emotional experience but also having a genuine genuine response to what God is doing in the church. And so what we want to talk about today is a little bit about that, um, the dangers of kind of falling too heavy on one side and why we should kind of focus in the middle. And so to start, I kind of want to open with this kind of question. For you guys, if you were to assess yourselves, would you say that you're more emotional or intellectual in your daily life and also in your spiritual life with God? Okay, so for daily life, I would say probably a little more on the emotional side. Uh, I just kind of tend to feel a lot for people that I come across and sometimes too much. But um, as for the spiritual side, I tend to approach it just a little more uh, intellectual. Um, Really like looking at things logically and seeing, I guess, the science behind even just how God operates in the world Mm -hmm. um, because it's just... There's so much proof for how God operates using the laws that he's put in place. So I really like that. Yeah, I would say I would say kind of more um, 
intellectual on both sides. I think I, I don't necessarily have a lot of emotional responses too often. <laughs> and especially when it comes to uh, with the spiritual side, I, I really tend to analyze a lot of what people are saying, a lot of what's happening, um, because I'm, I'm very analytical when it comes to scripture. Uh, if you'll, if you look at my Bible, you won't see, um, you won't see uplifting verses that are highlighted and, (laughs) and all the verses to post on your Instagram. You'll see like super weird verses that are, um, that are just confusing that I think most people kind of overlook and I'm like, oh, what does that mean in the Hebrew? And like, we'll we'll dive into these weird, you know, one or two single words that, you know, you find out later they could mean absolutely nothing, or they could mean something deep. And I think that's kind of how I approach church. Is I don't necessarily like to hear um, an uplifting sermon. I don't necessarily like to hear a another. You are the salt of the world and and there's no condemnation and I'm like okay yeah that's that's cool but like give me something that's like deep and and rooted and so I think I think that's kind of how I approach the uh the biblical side of things but when it comes to like the worship side of of services I I think I tend to like more of an emotional response there yeah that's good and I think for myself um I think when it comes to to looking at a practical and biblical side of life for myself. I'm very analytical. Um, I like to think things through, kind of have a process of like, okay, this is how it should work, then this, then this, then this. And I think when I became a Christian, it was kind of the same deal where it was like, okay, I am this way. Without God, I'm this. And so with God, I need him because then I can learn obedience and learn to love and learn these things and serve him and glorify him. So therefore I need him. So I'd say when it comes to myself on a practical level of life and just kind of the days in and days out, as well as just walking as a Christian, I'd say I'm analytical. But when it comes to thinking about other people and taking on a more pastoral response, again, practically and biblically, spiritually speaking, um, I definitely lean more emotional where when I think about other people, it's not like, well, you should have done this, 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 and this. It's more like, man, that I'm sorry to hear that. And like, I want to be here for you and I want to love you and take care of you and point you to the way that God is saying, you know, he loves you and he cares for you. And if he considers the lilies and the sparrows, how much more is he thinking about you? Um, so I think it's funny kind of listening to both of you because I feel and think that I can relate to both ends. It just kind of depends what perspective I'm taking of looking at myself or looking at someone else. So as we're, as we're talking about this, um, you know, this, this difference, there's a couple words that I think really, um, that this, that this revolves around and it's, uh, the emotional manipulation of people. And when we hear that word manipulation, right, we automatically get defensive. Uh, we don't want to hear it because manipulation in today's context is a bad thing, right? If you're manipulated, you are um, set from from something to to do something else that maybe you don't want to do, or whatever a, a thousand <clears throat> a thousand other ways. And so, um, when we hear emotional manipulation, right? To in today's discussion, I want to encourage you not to necessarily think of it wholeheartedly as a negative thing. It can have negative um, results, but to be emotionally kind of um, responsive or um, reactive to a 
something that happens within a service, it's not necessarily a bad thing from the get-go, right? And so we want to talk about the differences um, in maybe old, maybe churches that we've seen in uh, maybe different services that we've done in different ways that we've seen, right, more of an emotional response and then more of solely a spiritual response that has nothing kind of related to any anything that would make you emotional, right? And so I want to ask you guys, have you been in maybe services uh, where one of the two happens? Maybe it's like a super produced service that just elicits an emotional response and, and you haven't really, maybe looking back, it wasn't necessarily God. It was just your heart strings being tugged. Or maybe in the other way, you've been in a random place in the middle of, you know, a fully lit room and you just, and you just felt God in that place. Um, do you guys have any? I'll have to think on the, uh, emotional, emotional response one. Uh, but for now I do have an example of a spiritual one. Uh, there was a moment, it was in like, I don't know, first, maybe second, like early in the second year of us both working here. Uh, cause we came on about the same time. So there was this one service where everybody was singing beautiful name. Um, Yep, you, you know the one, um, where basically I was in the back of the booth, I was just controlling, you know, the usual stuff, mostly lights, and I hear everybody singing, because um, it's just this powerful moment that I can't explain, because we've sung this song before, but like, for some reason on this day, everything just feels different. Mm -hmm. um, and then at some point, I hear like a fourth voice coming through the microphones and it comes out of absolutely nowhere. It's not coming from the crowd. It's being amplified through the speakers. Mm -hmm. And there was three singers that day. And the third, so or the fourth voice was another female vocalist. I think we had one potentially. Uh, and it just blew me away. I couldn't do anything. I left it on whatever cue I left it on and just was like, oh my gosh, this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. And it was by far, it had to be spiritual. As a as the wise theologian um, VeggieTales once said, uh, <laughs> I thought there was only three of them, but there was a fourth one, and it was real shiny. Real shiny. <laughs> Amen. I wasn't sure where you were going with that, but I'm very glad you took it to VeggieTales. Pray for me, guys. <laughs> I think to a similar experience, uh, Dylan, I think I've had both sides to kind of answer your question. Um, I remember especially being in youth group, um, a lot of the experiences or a lot of the camps, it's kind of like, you know, you have your prayer stations, but I just remember, you know, looking back, trying so hard to make the right mood or it's like, even before we went in, it's like, you need to get your head in the right place and yeah, all this stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, to some extent that's so true, but also like, you know, when you walk in and it's, it's super moody lighting and someone's already playing the piano and you know, like, it's okay to feel these things. It's like, all right. Like, you know, it, it, it was it was kind of clear, especially now looking back about how it was trying hard to rely so much on the emotional aspect of feeling everything and, and feeling these things. Whereas I remember when we were in college, we were in a chapel service and it, it was another one, you know, just singing like build my life, whatever. And, you know, it's kind of, it was just your normal chapel, right? You're not really expecting much. And then I remember all the equipment just failed. Mm -hmm. I remember the soundboard, like, just stopped playing. And I don't know if you remember this, but 
I remember all the musicians for a second were like, uh, what's going on? Like, we can't hear anything. And then suddenly all the voices in the chat, I'm just getting goosebumps thinking about it. All the, all the voices in the chapel just continued to sing the song. Mm -hmm. And it was just a powerful moment that didn't require any extra planning, quote unquote. Like it was just a movement from the response of the people's hearts to say, I'm here to worship God. And I just remember, I just stopped and I was like, wow, like that's so encouraging you know, especially because like in a chapel service, not everyone's Christian. So you see some people are just like, who cares, whatever. But when you hear all the voices ringing through this place, I just remember like that was such a powerful movement. I <clears throat> I had a similar experience, like you said, looking at like youth camps and everything. Um, I grew up in a Baptist church and it was, you know, no, <laughs> kind of nothing was trying to touch the emotional because everything was, was intellectual. And so I went to a Pentecostal youth camp once. Oh. <laughs> well, that's a difference. <laughs> so it was a little bit of a difference. And, wow. and one of my like best friends at the time, he, um, he led someone, uh, not to Christ, but he led someone to like speak in tongues. And I thought that I was like, not Christian enough because I couldn't speak in tongues. So that whole week, I was like praying, like, you know, God, let me, let me speak in, in, in tongues, you know, let me, let me do these things. Cause like, I want to be as good of a Christian as possible. And I just remember, you know, that same thing you like, you go in and you pray over the seats beforehand and the lights are, are all dimmed. And each day I was like, okay, this is going to be the day. Cause I'm really feeling it right now. Like this is, this is going to be the day that I'm going to start, um, speaking in another language and, and talking to God and it never happened. And I thought that I had like kind of failed mm. or wasn't Christian enough because I wasn't doing it, even though I felt like I was feeling God every single day. And so, uh, you know, I had that experience. And then, like you said, there was, there was another one where I was in that, that Baptist church and all the lights were completely on. We had a carpet on the stage. Like, <laughs> like it was, you know, it was, it was Baptist looking, but um, I just remember singing like one song and just, uh, to a congregation that, you know, they're raising their hands was anywhere out of their pockets. So <laughs> anywhere, <laughs> anywhere in their side was raising their hand. And, um, I just remember like one, one day, can't even tell you the song or whatever, but the congregation was just singing it. And I heard, you know, people in the back giving like, a whoa, and, um, and, you know, going to a Pentecostal youth camp, that's like. Okay, cool. That happens every single day. But going to a Baptist church on a ten thirty morning service was like, what is going on? Um, so I th I think it's it's cool how we've kind of all had these you know similar responses of like, it's not necessarily the mood <laughs> that that mm -hmm. makes us feel this way. But what I do want to say is, you know, this idea of an emotional response to a um, to something, right? is not just a modern idea. It's, um, it's something that's been along for a long time. And I think when we, when we think about an emotional response, we think about the mega churches or we think about modern churches that are doing light shows with haze and big, huge sound systems that are, you know, the bass that is rocking people's core and like a pastor who's, who's so good at speaking and they, can formulate their sermons into a way that um, leads people up and down, you know, through through the emotions. Um, and I think that that's how we we always 
recently interpret this this idea of an emotional response. Um, but I want to say that it's it's been around for a long time. You know, it's it's something that's been around um, <laughs> when you look at cathedrals, right? I remember when I um, when I was about twelve years old, my family went to England, and we we visited a few of the super old, you know, 1500s, um, cathedrals and, and everything. And you, when you walk in, you look up and you see these like murals on the, on the ceiling, like, you know, um, the, the St. Peter's Basilica that right. Michael, uh, Michelangelo painted. And that's in, that's in Italy. We didn't do that, but, uh, you see, you see things like that when you walk in and these just gorgeous buildings, and the reason that those happen, right, is so that when people walk in, immediately when they walk in through the doors, they look up and they see just something beautiful. They're, they're structured in a way that they're so absolutely tall with these things on the ceiling that when people walk in, their eyes are immediately just focused upwards. And that gets them in the mood, right, to praise God. And that that emotional response from the moment that they walk in is in in a way a manipulation. Um, again, don't I don't want to put the the negative context on that word, but it is it is a tool, right, that gets them already in a way that's that's ready for them to just worship God and to just see how how beautiful and how immaculate He is, right. And so, as we're talking about this today, I don't want the context to only be, hey, look at these modern churches who are doing these big venues and these big crazy productions because it's been a thing for such a long time. Yeah, so there's even evidence of it like all the way back into the Bible itself um, where you go into the original temple that the Israelites built after leaving uh, Egypt. Um, So like the end of Exodus into, it describes it pretty in detail in numbers. Um, And there's just every last detail of this temple was built specifically to both glorify God, but also it was built in beauty. Like there's gold, there's these statues, there's everything looks so incredibly immaculate and it was all drawn together in a plan by God. I I thought of that same thing you're talking about. And I I looked up just a a passage and this is from Exodus 36 Mm -hmm. and it says, he coupled five curtains to one another, and the other five curtains he coupled to another. He made loops of blue edge on the outermost curtain of the first set. Likewise, he made them on the edge of the outermost curtain of the second set. He made 50 loops on one curtain and made 50 loops on the edge of the curtain that was on the second set. The loops were opposite one another, and he made 50 clasps of gold and coupled the curtains one to another with clasps where the whole tabernacle was a single hole. Huh. That's a curtain. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's like, one small part of this huge immaculate temple that they built. Yeah, I was going to say, it goes into crazy detail about the amount of gold they used mm-hmm. and um, the amount of cubits that, that a wall was and the structure was. And this is this is even before Solomon's temple, right? Which was yeah. even, <laughs> even bigger. Crazy. Bigger and better. Um, and so if, if the Bible goes into that much detail about like showing you know, the, the beauty of God in a curtain, hmm. right? Like that was already kind of emotionally getting people prepared to worship the God that they couldn't see. See, and I think I think it's important for us to discuss this because I often feel like when we hear about this quote-unquote emotional manipulation, especially in the church, it's always these negative feelings. I mean, 
I know recently we watched a documentary where people like were upset about a mega church and they were like, they did these things just to make us feel some way so that we would kind of be blindly led into this concept of, of supporting them and worshiping them rather than God. And I think as we talk about this and continue to bring it forward, that's the important aspect that we kind of want to focus on here is the fact that when we hear emotional manipulation, it doesn't have to necessarily be negative. I mean, like you guys just said, the examples in the Bible, examples in the early church and in cathedrals and even modern times as well, the heart behind the emotional preparation ought to be to focus on God and not on ourselves. And I think the minute we focus that gaze away from God is when we start to realize the negative impacts of that. And I think that's why as Christians, I mean, in anything that we do, right, there's such a responsibility to say we can do these things. We can, you know, have your piano, whatever. I don't care. Have your haze, have your lights. But if the intention is to make yourself or your church feel good and not help people see God and and seek him and pursue him and experience him, then it's pointless because you've made it about you. And I think that's why for us, you know, we, we see these trends and, and we see these big deals and and even I'll share for myself, when I preach, I try so hard to not, you know, feel like I have to prepare that, you know, and yet in a way I also have to humble myself where it's like, well, do I think I have enough power to not need something else to do it? And it's like, no, I, 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 I also need to rely on that as well. But it's, it's just so easy, I think, today to make it about us and not about what we're actually doing it for. And that's something that we want to, like I said, be transparent and actually just open up for discussion about being okay with it as long as we're actually stewarding it well. Yeah, I I think back to, you know, some some worship nights that I've been a part of or uh, a, a service that I've been a part of or something that, that I've seen. And it is very much like the pastor will, you know, in the last five minutes, call up the keys player to to set the tone and to really prepare people for that, for that last song and, and to prepare people emotionally. Right. And I don't think there's necess there's not necessarily something wrong with someone coming up and playing a piano, <laughs> you know, as the pastor is talking, what's wrong is making it all about that because nine times out of 10, if you're at, you know, and I think, I think a lot of these places we're talking about like kind of youth conferences or some sort of worship night or some sort of, you know, something, and nine times out of 10, when the person comes up to play, when the band really starts building, when the pastors starts screaming and everything, I mean, that's when every hand goes up about, I want to accept Jesus right here, right now, right? But when you look in scripture, right, like we said, is that sometimes God uses these emotional um, reactions or or we we as the church use these emotional reactions, right? But... I think back to um, Elisha and uh, when God is speaking to him on the mountain. And so in 1 Kings 19, it says, um, And God said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke it in pieces, the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? 
So, right, that that low whisper or a still small voice, um, as and I mean we've all we've all heard this story a thousand times, but um, you know, God used in that moment, he used things <laughs> to kind of create that emotional response. And that's not necessarily a response of an uplifting, you know, thing. He sent a storm, an earthquake, and a fire, like <laughs> that's terrifying, right. right? And so he used he used these things to create a, uh, a fear within within Elijah of um, the the power of God. But after all that, he just talked to him in this in this low voice. And so I think of you know that that first kind of um, that the first three instances with with all the natural disasters of, <laughs> of sort. Um, mm-hmm. that reminds me, you know, of, of the new churches and, and using a huge PA system or even, right. Even churches that use gigantic organs, that still mm-hmm. creates an emotional reaction because yeah, when you, when you think of church organ comes to mind, you know? And so, um, he used he used these things to create this like big powerful moment of like look who I am. But then out of it all, he said in the still small voice. He he talked in the still small voice, right? And so, I think when we look at the churches today, we try to make everything in the fire. We try to make everything in in the wind and the in the storm, um, mm. and we try to play all sorts of of into the emotional response of look how look how big and and crazy this is and and strike fear and and <laughs> or awe into people right and in other churches we we see it more of a intellectual response only right mm. and i think the way that god uses these two things to talk to elijah in this verse are a great example of how we can use that in the church today. And I don't, right, I don't want to compare us to God <laughs> because, <laughs> because we cannot do any of the stuff that, that he did there. And we are not near as powerful and not near as right ever mm-hmm. <laughs> as, as him. But we can learn from how he talks to the people, right, and how he's shown his glory. And we can learn from the, the cathedrals, of showing his glory in the building itself. And so today, maybe we have a building, right, that looks like an old warehouse. Maybe we have a building that looks like a gym, or maybe we have a building that looks like a church, you know? Um, churches today look and come in all shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. And so um, maybe we can't influence people by the look of the building, and maybe we can't show God's awe right? By walking into a building and seeing a beautiful mural on the ceiling. But what we can do, right, is use the tools that we have in the 21st century mm-hmm. <laughs> to to strike more of an emotional response biblically within people mm-hmm. as they're entering our church buildings. Yeah, I feel like two things that keep coming to my mind when we're talking about this are um, God's power and God's beauty. Mm-hmm. And repeatedly in the Bible, it's just constantly shown. He's both powerful, actually, I guess three things, powerful, good, and beautiful. And um, specifically when we're talking about worship nowadays and styles and things like that, power as well as beauty are both something, I think that's the reason why we as Christians still use that today, 
It's just now it looks different because the tools today are different. Technology is different and it is advanced at an incredible rate. Um, but when it comes down to it, whether it be chapels that lead you to look upwards or lights that, well, also lead you to look upwards, we're all doing the same thing. We're all being led to look at God and look at his power and look at his beauty. I think about, I went to a church one time. Um, I was in Colorado <clears throat> visiting and uh, I was there on a Sunday and I told my family, I was like, listen, we got to go to church. I mean, it's, uh, we, we got to try out something. And we found a church on the side of a mountain um, <laughs> with like a waterfall behind it. It, it was sick. That, like it was, it was incredible. so cool. They sung, they sung Highlands by Hillsong Worship. It was, oh, it was amazing. And we, we went there and like, it was the same thing, you know, there was no church building or like there, there was a little, um, place where they would meet and maybe have, have dinner in the offices and stuff like that. But like the, the sanctuary was outside on the side of this mountain. And so, that's awesome. So like that's so cool. that holy cow, did I, <laughs> did I feel an emotional response, you know, in that moment singing, Oh, how high would I climb mountains and at the top of a at, mountain? <laughs> yeah. At the top of a mountain. And so like, um, that was such a emotional response for me and, and, and a, mani- a mani- wow. <laughs> and a manipulation, right. For, for me in that moment, but it was nothing that they did. They just didn't do a thing. They literally just set chairs on the side of this mountain. And, yeah. and I think in, you know, a lot of ways, if we were to do that same type of thing in a church today, right. If we were to, if we were to have that same type of feel, maybe with graphics or maybe with, um, you know, the, the songs or whatever people would look at it, you know, and say like, Oh, they're just trying to, they're just trying to get me to get a response and and emotionally manipulate me. But, but what I experienced in that place was not (laughs) anyone doing anything. It was seeing the beauty that God had created on this mountain with this waterfall. Um, and I was, and I still remember like taking notes and I still remember everything about that service Hmm. because I remember seeing the beauty of God in that place. I think that just helps us to understand again, just the heart behind understanding why we need to focus on God and everything that we do. I mean, Dylan, like you said it and Josh, like you explained, like when we focus first on who God is, it doesn't really matter how big or how great your church is because your church is great in God. And when you have that desire to see him and look at him and focus on him only, it creates just the opportunity to understand not only your placement in God's eyes, but also the people in God's eyes and what they need and how to lead them and guide them to what it what they need to to really enter and usher into God's presence. And so I think as as we've kind of been saying and and showing, I don't think the emotional manipulation that we've been talking about is bad. I think it too can also serve as a tool to usher in all that God is doing and to focus our eyes and our hearts and our minds on God because it takes all of those things. I mean, I think about time and time again, Jesus telling people, love me, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's not just an intellectual thing as much as it isn't just an emotional thing. It's a requirement to be holistically focused in on God. And I think 
as church leaders, we have an opportunity. We have a special opportunity to steward both of those things. We don't want to throw away our catechisms and we don't want to throw away our confessions and our beliefs. But at the same time, we don't want to throw away the, the opportunity to make a space specifically to enter into God's presence. Because we can everywhere, but it's only really on Sundays that we have that beauty of being the body together. Because the rest of the week we're scattered and we're out doing God's work. But Sunday is that special moment for all of us to be able to be together. So why not wholeheartedly and with pure intention give that space to God? And so that's just kind of what we want to help focus on is, is don't make it about you. I mean, <laughs> I think the beauty of the gospel is that it's not about us. Yeah. It's nothing that we do. And, and when we become Christians, it's kind of the same thing. And it's so true for us, even as leaders in the church, that when we do these things, we don't want to make our worship pastor seem high and mighty or our senior pastor be high and mighty, but it's about honoring God for who he is and what he deserves. I like that. I like that you said it's not about us, right? Um, and I also, you know, want to emphasize that, like, with this whole idea that we're talking about, it can come, dangers can enter, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? It's maybe you've listened to this whole podcast and you've thought that we're full of it. <laughs> maybe, maybe you've Which thought. Which is a possibility. Yes. Um, but maybe, maybe you have always been, you know, the type to be in a, a church with 70 people, pews, full lights on every week and a piano player. And that's it. And the same pastor that wears a suit every single Sunday. And if you are, that's great. But I also want to say, if you are, that's an emotional response within itself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. with those, those people entering that room are preparing themselves already for what they know is going to happen. Right. And so every single thing we do elicits an emotional response. There, there is nothing <laughs> that we can do that doesn't. Right. And so maybe the emotional response that you want to create in your church is just reverence. And if so, great. That's, that's great. If that's what, if that's what you're trying to create with, with everything that you do and you don't, um, your congregation isn't, uh, jumping up and down and, um, you know, given, given woos and, and raising their hands and everything in, in that church. And you're not doing some, crazy games in the lobby or whatever. Like if that's what your church is and you simply want to create reverence, that's awesome. But that's your emotional response to God. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what I want to say is that there is dangers in, in all of those things. When you're solely focused on reverence, then you might lose outreach <laughs> when you're, when you're focused on being so, so uh, somber and kind of focused in your service um, that you only do the same things and, and the pastor only comes up and, and has the same thing every single Sunday and um, kind of no one laughs, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, that's, that's great if that fills your congregation. Um, but in some ways that could, that could limit the people that you could reach. Right. And what I want to say on the other end is that if you're way too emotionally driven and if you want people to just feel something every single Sunday and get the, uh, um, as our pastor says, the quiver in the liver, um, <laughs> Amen. if, if you want that 
every single Sunday, then you're going to lose the, the spiritual well-being of your congregation because mm. they're not getting food. They're getting, mm. not, they're not getting solid food. They're getting milk um, every single week um, because they're not getting the, the feel-good um, thing within, within their services. And so what I want to say is that I've heard of stories <laughs> of, of both sides and um, probably the funniest one that I've heard, uh, it comes to um, from Bethel Church uh, mm-hmm. in in California, mm-hmm. and I've heard a documentary where they have what they call glory glitter. That in the middle of a service, um, I I heard that maybe they don't do it anymore, but it was when I heard that every single service, um, they had what they called glory glitter fall from the ceiling at all the highest moments of the song, all like the, the biggest hitting bridge, or maybe when the pastor comes up and gives like a really powerful thing in between songs or whatever, um, glory glitter fell from the ceiling, which was this gold glitter. And you, you would see in that, in that documentary, um, you'd see kids like with their mouths open, trying to catch it. (laughs) Um, you'd see all these, all these people like, like crying as it's falling on them. And yeah, they said every single service, this glory glitter falls, and that's supposed to be right the uh, the embodiment of God uh, falling on the congregation, and the and the spirit of God falling in a physical form on their congregation. And their <clears throat> their staff people said that they knew nothing about it, and that it's it's all God, and that they they don't know, they don't do anything about it. But in every single service, it's God making Himself known in the same exact way all the time. And you'd think they'd have the logic to conclude that, you know, this stuff falls from the ceiling and we, the staff are the people who drop it. Everybody besides, well, apparently some people in the congregation are going to know and see through this. Yeah. Or they look up and see the guys on the the catwalk. Uh (laughs) Like, Hey, there's a guy up there about 50 feet in the air (laughs) uh, dropping glitter on us. Yeah. Hmm. And so it also just had to be a pain to wash your clothes. Yeah. True, true. Or for the janitor to clean up. Oh, bro. poor man. So they give him a raise. <laughs> so that's the danger, right? Of going too far into emotional, because then all you want is your people to to just experience that. And every single every single week, they're experiencing God again falling on them. And in nowhere in scripture, one, does it say anything about glitter or two, does it say God is going to reveal himself in the same way every single time? (laughs) Mm -hmm. In fact, he reveals himself in a new way almost every single time in the Bible. Mm. And so, um, right when we're talking about this, we're not on that level (laughs) and we're not even close to that level of, of saying, Hey, do everything you can right to, to fill people's emotions. Because we see the dangers in that, but we are saying like, don't ignore the fact that it is a real thing that, that happens. And it is a real thing that you can utilize within your congregation. So it brings me back to one verse uh, in the Bible that I've really liked. It's just two words, Jesus wept. And I feel like the one thing that's made very clear in the Bible is we're modeled after him. Like he made us in our, he made us in his own image. Um, and the fact that it acknowledges that Jesus had, in a sense, emotions as well, um, 
it's why we're still tackling this topic today. And it's why throughout all of time, it has just been something that is in humanity. And ignoring that is exactly that. It's the other side of the danger. It's ignoring a part of the being that, um, that we are modeled in God after. So we definitely can't do that either. I think as, as we wrap up here, um, I think we've kind of made it clear on our hearts that you need both. You just need both. And I think we can be so scared if we've grown up one way or had a bad experience with one way that we just kind of abandon it altogether. But I, I think what we want to do here today as, as we close is just challenge you. You know, take some time to honestly reflect where have I been with my services? Has Have I pushed so hard to make it solely intellectual because I worry about the emotional dangers and the slip and slide that it can be? Or have you been on the opposite side where I expect people to have a response? I want to see my congregation cry because if they don't, I don't think they've met God. Both of these things can be met in the middle and reconciled with each other because God does both. And so we just want to encourage you, take some time to truly reflect where you've been and ask God and say, how can I be more holistic, not just in my view of you, but my approach of you? And I, we just hope here that as you continue to, to grow in one side or the other, or maybe repent of ways that you've used one to, to make it more about you and put you on the pedestal, um, we just are here to help you see that both sides can be useful. And we're also here not saying that we do it perfectly um, because we're still learning and growing. And But I think it all begins with the correct heart and mindset and desire to obey God with our heart and our mind and our soul and strength. So that's what we have for you guys today. Um, we do want to share it since it is our last, or sorry, since it is our 10th episode, we have finished our first season so we are so happy for those for those of you who have joined us and have been with us in this journey, because um, as we're also learning how to set up a podcast and just share with you guys our hearts and minds with leading ministry in a small church setting, we're just excited for what the future has. I know we've discussed that as we kind of expand in our topics beyond just the foundational truths, that we'll be inviting other speakers and having new people on, and and we just want to share with you that we are excited for what's ahead. Yeah, honestly, I'm genuinely excited for the next season and what we're going to do in that. And honestly, just getting some new voices in here because um, I'm just excited to hear other people's perspectives as well. And we want to give you guys a voice as well as the listeners. Mm -hmm. So if you have ideas for what to talk about, uh, if you have if you have questions, um, if you have, you know, maybe maybe people uh, of, of different positions that you want to see on the show, if you have anything to say, we have um, an email now, and it is godgrowthgaff, no and, godgrowthgaff at gmail.com. So you can email that with any questions, right, statements, anything you want to say. Uh, if you have hate mail, I guess you can say that too. Um, we we'll just, just report we, spam. Yeah, we probably just won't answer it on, on you know, next podcast. But uh, we would love to hear your guys' input um, at godgrowthgaff at gmail.com. Also, GAF, G-A-F-F. Yes, two Fs. Yep. Thank you. Now, as we close, you know what time it is. My question of the week for you guys is if you could only drink one drink for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? Uh, let's see. So my first reaction was coffee because I love coffee and, well, coffee 
let's just say Sundays run on coffee. Amen. Um, but it's also a dehydrator, so you just kind of die after a while, <laughs> I feel like. So second guess or second choice hmm, would be Gatorade if it was just one drink because at least there's multiple flavors and it's hydrating enough to keep you alive. So That's a very smart answer. I'm saying coffee either way. I'll just eat ice. <laughs> ice will be my hydration. For myself, initially I thought boba tea, um, oh. but then I was like, you know, that's probably not wise because then I'd probably end up like King Egalon. And so, um, <laughs> however, my second option also was something I feel that like better. there's probably only like two people that know who King Egalon was. That's the one guy from the Bible. They'll, they'll read into it. Good. Don't tell Please them. Please do. Tell them. Please do. Uh, read the book of Judges. Yep. I would have to say apple juice, but like the healthier side, just because I like apple juice. I think it's really good. Mm. That's literally my only reason. And because I don't want to look like King Egalon. You could just uh, you could just throw like the little tapioca balls in apple juice and then Facts. have boba. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Well, guys, we want to thank you so much for joining us this week uh, in our 10th episode. And we look forward to seeing you in the next season. But why don't you join us real quick as we pray out? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for just the opportunity that we have to set up some mics and a computer and just share um, just what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives and in the church. Lord, I pray that for those listening, that you continue to be with them and walk with them, Lord, and also help them to see the holistic joy of worship using both our heart and our emotions and also our minds and intellect, Lord, that we can bring all these things to you for your glory to make you known and to experience you fully. So I pray for the church leaders. May you help them navigate and discern what is necessary in worship and how to have it focused on you and you alone. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for this time. Thank you for God, growth, and gaff. Amen. Bye.